Hi, and welcome to the Change Today podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Keila Kaday. So Kaday is my last name, and in French, it means soldier. So when we talk about Change Kaday, we're talking about soldiers of change. In my company, we talk about soldiers of change in the place of diversity, inclusion, and equity. But here, it may talk about the workplace, but we may also talk about stories of just change in general from various different aspects of life. Change today is all about stories of change at what times may feel like an upward battle, but people are getting to their places of joy. So here, I'll share some of my own stories. I'll also interview guests who took risks and grew from their experience of navigating change to find their joy. I hope that these stories that you hear today um, will be an opportunity for you to become inspired and maybe a change today in your own life. Hi, Michelle. Hello, Kayla. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to have you here today. Do you want to tell people a little bit about who you are before we get into our chat? Yeah. So again, my name is Michelle. I'm currently a college coach for an organization called Beyond 12. Um, I am a young professional. Um, can I get some context as to what I should be telling people? You can tell people whatever you want to tell them. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, I am a college coach. Um, I graduated from college in 2017. And what tiny school did you go to? I graduated from Dartmouth College <laughs> in New Hampshire. Um, and yeah, I came to the Bay Area originally to be an admissions counselor and found Beyond 12 six months later when I realized I did not want to do that. <laughs> and yeah, um, so currently coaching, healing, learning about myself, um, building the tools to create my practice, living. Yeah. And so um, just so the listeners know, yeah. Michelle contacted me to do an informational interview via someone else who... I have coached actually her boss and Michelle asked just the best questions and I was like, hold up, you need to be on this podcast. Um, and that's mainly because Michelle's thinking about making her transition into being a full-time coach and what that was like. And um, again, these questions are wonderful that got me to think uh, in a way that I really appreciated and felt it was worthwhile having a podcast to really just have a topic and focus on um, coaching because coaching is all about change and transformation and, and that is what we discuss on the podcast so um again so excited for you to be here you can't see uh, michelle's fabulous hair which is great and the natural hair color that would make bitches jealous so good job with that thank you good for job. Information. <laughs> yeah. you're saving so much money am i <laughs> you, i am you, i am <laughs> you are so um the way we start every podcast is by asking this question and it's what makes you a change today? So again, change today is the name of my company and today is also my last name. Mm -hmm. And in French, today means soldier and we create soldiers of change. For the company, it's around diversity in the workplace. And then for the podcast, it could be that, but also how you've had to go through some type of change or transformation to get to a place of joy. So with that said, what makes you a change today? I, a lot makes me a change today. <laughs> I will just say that. My entire journey has been con like consistently about change. 
especially to help myself find find joy. Mm-hmm. Um, from a very young age, I grew up in pretty severe um, isolation in terms of being the only Black person in my family. Um, my family is... Yes, white passing. Um, the dad, my dad's side of the family is Cherokee, um, which there's a lot of param- like mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff there. Mm-hmm. And then my mom's side of the family is white, mm-hmm. but both sides are white passing. Um, and so from a very young age, there was this feeling that I didn't belong, mm-hmm. right? And as I became an adolescent, that became depression, um, suicidal thoughts, lots of different things like that. In addition to being a low-income mm-hmm. <laughs> um, student, I started working at 15, so there was always a lot on me, mm-hmm. and joy was not something that I was thinking about. Constantly changing to fit into my family, to fit into my school, both my junior high and high school, I was the only Black woman, Black person mm-hmm. in the school, um, and I was the only—there was one other Black family— in my town. I grew up in rural Oklahoma. Um, So there was a lot of change to conform. Mm -hmm. And then when I went to college, um, a lot of change to bring myself, to understand myself, to bring myself joy, to sustain myself in college. Um, All of which didn't necessarily bring me as much joy. Mm -hmm. Um, Also in college, I was diagnosed with three chronic illnesses and a mental health illness, um, in addition to the major depression that I had at the age of 11. Um, And so it was just a lot to have on me, and I had seen counselors, I have made little changes and different things like that at that point, but I still didn't have a purpose, I still didn't have joy, I still couldn't find happiness. Um, and there was, and everything seemed like it was crashing down. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, after I graduated, which was a change in itself, right, to still persevere and to make those ch- very monumental changes, but at the time felt really small because I was just trying to get through it. Um, I graduated, I took time, I took time to heal, um, I spent six months at home after I graduated. Um, And I changed a lot at that time, at that point too. Um, Changed my trajectory, changed my expectations for myself, um, changed how I saw myself. And then I came out to California. I made a career change, (laughs) made multiple career changes, um, changed counselors. and how long have you been in California? About a year and a half now. Wow. Yeah, going on two years. Um, and, yeah, so all of that to say, the past year and a half, um, I've made a lot of change inside myself that has created external change as well. Um, changes, again, how I see myself, my healing practice, my priorities. Mm-hmm. This whole year has been about healing and unlearning and learning. Um, I think that's been the biggest change. I feel the most in my body, the healthiest that I've ever 
ever been, even with my chronic illnesses and mental health. I feel the most beautiful I've ever felt, um, most confident, most affirmed. And those are all because of the small, small changes I made every single day. Yeah, and, and thank you for sharing that. Not a lot of people are open um, about their mental health, particularly mm-hmm. in communities of color, the black community. Yeah. Um, and there's a stigma around mental health, but also living with chronic disease or chronic pain mm-hmm. or invisible illness. Yeah. Um, as you know, I have uh, invisible illness and I have major depressive disorder, mm-hmm. so um, like I get that. So I'm always like, yes, when other people are there but um you said something that's really powerful which is the small changes mm-hmm. a lot of people when they think of change they have to do something completely huge and drastic mm-hmm. could that be the case like if you find out your job is moving to a different city that's a big change you're going with it yes mm-hmm. sure we'll give that to you but overall to get to the place of passion purpose having alignment and getting to a place of joy you have to start to make small changes yep and um, particularly as someone who has depression um you have to even though your brain chemistry is all over the place, you still have to work on making small changes to get to a place of managing it or finding what your version of joy is going to be. Mm-hmm. And that small change might be like, I won't be on the couch all day. Yes. I'll be on the couch for six hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And then those two hours, if you're being active or taking a walk or talking to people, um, those things can have powerful effects. And before you know it, you're spending a weekend doing something and being more social. So... Um, I just want to acknowledge that that is really important and, and probably how and why you decided to come to California. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm sure, like, was it your first time coming to California? Yep. Yeah. My first time. So you automatically saw all these natural hair women all over the place, and you're like, oh, my God, what products do you use? <laughs> like, I'm not the only one, and the looks are not the same as they were, like, in um, Oklahoma. Um, but you also talked a lot about, like, you know, just being the only one there and when you are the only one um either in your family or in the school or one of few in the school then you have a lot of feelings around deserving and who deserve to be in that space and why is it only you and people don't necessarily understand so mm-hmm. it's it hard to get to that point of um feeling happiness and Absolutely. doing all the things that we said of, of how you ended of how you have the most confidence and you feel beautiful and you have all these things going for you and Michelle asked such great questions. Um, I'm going to allow her to ask me questions. Um, now I'm in the hot seat, so yes, you are. take it away. Yes, of course. Okay, so my first question to you is, how did you get into coaching? And what's the most important lesson you've learned so far? Um, so I got into coaching by accident, I guess twofold. I'm not gonna lie. One was money mm-hmm. <laughs> because I knew there was money in the space. But honestly, um, as I was building change today, my company, um, and other places you'll hear how I like rebranded to from an organizational development consulting firm to a diversity consulting firm. Um, so I was rebranding. I wanted to figure out how I could support women, people of color, and underserved communities, and, and part of that was through coaching. Mm-hmm. And as I was doing all this rebranding and looking back at my career, I realized this thing that was not going well was me feeling supported as a leader um, or as the only one or one of few mm-hmm. in positions. But all the teams that I built, um, I enjoyed building teams, and I enjoyed um, finding people's strengths mm-hmm. to help them 
be the best. And that means, like, be the best with me, take my job, or GTFO, like, move on. Like, this is not working, I'm going to fire you, you cannot be here. But finding that was, like, really um, incredibly uh, rewarding in the sense that people are aligned with what they wanted to do, and I could better support them as a manager, or they could find a better fit for them, or they could take my role, whatever that was. Um, And I realized that was because I took the time to listen. And like be supportive. I always have mentored people. I'm like always trying to help as much as possible. Um, so yeah, that's it. it's how I got into it. And so there's my very first client ever um, that the person who uh, led the finance department actually wanted to move on and go somewhere else and do her own thing. So she asked if I could coach her, and I was like sure I've never coached anyone officially like in my life so I made up I just made up an hour of the way I'm like will this work and I think I was like 150 and she was like sure and I was like what because coming from public health from my past life and nonprofit, and being a public health practitioner like I think at most I was making maybe 48 53 bucks an hour so to get like three times what I made for an hour I was like what um so I set up a thing I had no idea what I was doing. I was chatting with her, and then she's like, oh, my God, this is so helpful. This is great. And then she used me again, and now she has this bright and successful business, and she'll probably attribute some of that to me, and I would tell her all the time that she shouldn't. And I'm just, like, really proud of her, but it, like, worked. So I, I, I brought it into my um, business strategy. Mm-hmm. Second part of that question is, like, the most important lesson that I've learned so far is that coaching is best when it's reciprocal. So I love learning from people. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm in situations where I'm coaching individuals and they either start coaching me or they say something in a way or handle a situation in a way I would have never thought of, that I'm motivated and empowered and inspired or I'm seeing, like, the fruits of my labor happening right then and there. So I'm like, well, maybe you should have done this. Like, you, you, know, you know what? You are right. Maybe they should have. Or they'll say, like, Gila, you said this, so you should be doing that yourself because I word vomit and talk a lot about myself in coaching. Um, and so, yeah, so that most important lesson is if you are doing coaching right, it's reciprocal and both people are learning and growing Mm -hmm. simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that worked. Yes. (laughs) Um, I really empathize with that as well. I really do. Um, okay. How has your coaching practice evolved since you've started? Yeah. So before I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. (laughs) So, um, I was making a whole bunch of shit up, but, um, I now have like a leadership plan mm-hmm. so to determine like what a coaching goal is and looking at strengths and weaknesses um, and then taking time to look at um, what I call isms because again since I'm working with women people of color and underserved communities I spend a lot of time on making sure that someone understands what their barriers in the workplace are yep. so they know how to respond to those things mm-hmm. so um for example, when I was in a nine-to-five space and I was being judged for one reason or another or not taking it seriously, the easiest thing I could say is, it's Dr. K. And then all of a sudden, they're like, mm, she's either a child prodigy because I look young to some people or she's older than I thought and then I don't understand how black people age, but the outcome is respect because they are not usually not that. So, And that was how I handled perceived young, young woman, <laughs> person of color, educated, whatever those barriers are. Mm -hmm. So by knowing how to respond, either through stories, one words, 
um, or even like managing up, then it helps women people color and serve people find ways to be um, successful. So it, I, I like to spend a lot of time there. Um, and then the other thing that I do that has improved is really making a, a tighter connection between personal and professional life. Because typically what happens in coaching is that you'll have like, you know, a parent who's like killing it at home. Mm-hmm. Kids are on top of what they're supposed to do. They're following directions. But then in the workplace, it's like a clusterfuck and people don't know what they're doing. So then there's something that's lost in translation there. So it's like, okay, what are you doing at home? Oh, you have schedule? Oh, you clearly communicate with people are supposed to do? Okay, what are you doing? Oh, you don't do any of those things? And, like, tying it to that transferable skill set. Um, and then the last thing is, like, again, I'm word vomit, and I'm a storyteller. So, um, m- like, making sure that I'm uh, role modeling the behavior of the importance of story. Mm-hmm. that they could use with their team members because stories is a way to connect with individuals. So if someone's having a problem with like letting someone go, I'll be like, let me tell you a story of how I had to fire someone or let me tell you a story of how I was treated unfairly mm-hmm. in the workplace. And from that, people can grasp what resonates with them. Mm-hmm. It builds a relationship. Um, and again, it's something that they could do with their team members. Yeah. Well, you're kind of a big deal. But what I'm not. I haven't worked with Beyonce yet. When that happens, I'll be like, yes. And Parkwood Entertainment, anything Beyonce, that's what I want to do. I already see it, though. I already see it. The podcast is out. It's there. Yeah, the podcast is out. Exactly. You know, um, on another podcast I was interviewed on, um, on my Instagram, it says I'm like in uh, LinkedIn. I'm the Olivia Pope of Diversity in the Workplace, which is great when the show was on, but now it's like dying down. So I'll I'll have to find something else now that the show's over. But, um, the person I was being interviewed by, like, talked about it and highlighted it in promotion, and Shondaland contacted me. <laughs> and then, like, for a minute, I thought, like, I was in trouble because mm-hmm. I was saying that. But, um, yeah, no, we had a really, uh, really cool conversation. Um, and I was in the running to work with them, but then Netflix did their racist ass shit. And so because of her deal, they had to work with the consultants through Netflix, which is fine. But I felt like, yeah, I felt big then. I felt like I had a moment. I mean, that is a moment. <laughs> that is a moment. It was a good moment. Um, going into the next question. Okay. Were there any sort of healing practices and or processes you needed to go through before digging deeper into your practice, such as coming in terms with your claircognizance, forming tools to manage mental health, physical health? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. So, um... Depression's a bitch, mm-hmm. and um, it's funny. You'll see a lot of a lot of research that like people who um, either have special powers or they are talented will have some form of depression, and it's because you're giving out so much of your energy all the time that you either deplete it and it's very little, or you don't have any left for yourself, which is why you can go into a dark hole. So. Um, learning how to live to, with depression was first because mm-hmm. if I couldn't take care of myself, I couldn't take care of other people. Um, and then at the start of, it was evident because at the start of this year, end of December last year, start of January of this year, 2019, um, when I found out that I have a heart problem for the rest of my life, hashtag vote life, um, I did not know how to process that. So I went into a very, very dark hole, um, severe depression. So I was in a position where I was coaching 
20 some odd people mm-hmm. and I'd help them with their life and their problems. And I was like, my life is over and yeah. like spiraling in, in despair. So, um, it's a, it's a, you have to, well, I have to learn how I not learn, but I had to learn how to make sure that, um, I was taken care of first before I was helping other people. I didn't have the liberty to do that because I needed to get this money, but, um, it forced me into that. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's, that's one thing. Uh, and like, I'm fine. I'm always going to have depression with me. So I just have to know when to give myself a break. Um, or if my body isn't showing up for me, then it's like, okay, I can't meet you in person. We can coach over the phone or like video chat mm-hmm. and I'm be in a robe or sweats <laughs> or pajamas or a combination of all those things. And you just have to like accept that. And, um, so there's that. And then the other part was like, learning how to live with my heart condition um, and being open about it and telling people about it. I initially thought it was going to go away, but now it's with me forever. So I had to communicate that to my clients. And there was initially, I don't want to say fear, but I just didn't want to be treated differently by saying, like, I have this, these things. Um, but once I did that, it was totally fine. Um, and then the other side to that is... Um, uh, I, I am clear, uh, clear cognizant and, um, that's a different selling point. So mm-hmm. with coaches, you know, being an executive coach, usually it's like, I have this certification and I do this thing and I'm in a suit and I operate this way. Right. But me, I'm like, yo, I'm a people reader and I just going to know some things and you're just not going to understand why it's happening, but I'm going to want you to go with it mm-hmm. and you can't lie to me. Mm-hmm. And there's not like. There's not a lot that's there. I don't. I don't know any other coaches that do that, and or people who are claircognizant maybe on the other side as far as like either astrology or clairvoyant, and they use it that route. But I don't do that. I'm using it, you know, in the workplace. So I had to figure out how to use those powers um, for running a business, being a founder, being an executive coach, and being a person. Um, and that took some time and some like trial and error to figure it out. So like in the beginning, you're asking me about, you know, coaching and what I've learned so far. I guess another thing is learning how to use the special power. Cause before I would just be like, well, you should probably do these things. But now anyone I coach, including your boss, like, Hey, so I'm going to know some things and you're not going to understand how I know them. And you can't lie to me, blah, blah, blah. And I put it out in the forefront. So then they're like prepared, um, for that. But, um, uh, claircognizance is all because my grandmother told me at a very young age that I would have special powers. And I was like, what does that mean, grandma? And she's like, you'll fucking figure it out. And I'm like, okay. But I feel like you would just give me just a little bit more insight. And she's like, nope. So, um, yeah. So the older I've gotten, the more in tune I've been with that. And it's great. Mm-hmm. It's not good for dating, though. Yeah. I mean, or maybe it is. But most men don't make it to a second date for me. It's good for you. Yeah. But it's not good for you. <laughs> Pros and cons. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep, no, wasting my time. Bye. Bye. And then I become, like, a mean person because I don't want to hang out again. But it's like, you literally bored me and your future is not great. And whoever's coming along with this ride of mine as I'm building an empire needs to be equally as great. They don't want to be greater than me. <laughs> I can't. 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 I can
Yeah, I mean, equitable is a hard word, which is hilarious because I'm in diversity, inclusion, and equity and belonging, but um, I I do believe in belonging, um, Mm -hmm. but I feel like harmony, things that are harmonious, right? Like, he could be a teacher, he could be someone who makes half the amount of money as as me, Mm -hmm. but he has to, like, high-five hella hard and be really supportive with what I'm doing, and so, because I have these spidey senses, I'm like, you're jealous in a matter of three months, I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. Anyway, if anyone who's listening, I am single. You can send men my way. <laughs> you can slide in my DMs, which does happen. I'm sure it does. It does. Yeah. It's usually a waste of time. It's just to know, to get that feeling whenever someone important does come, I'm, I'm really excited for that. Because, like, yeah. I'm excited for it, too. <laughs> I'm just over it. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm excited for it. I um, did have a follow-up question yeah. to your response that I didn't write down. Can yeah. I go off script? I mean, Can I go, go off, off script? script? Yeah. Okay. This is for Totally. Great. Um, you mentioned, one, whenever, like, having to be adaptable and flexible, mm-hmm. right, because of chronic illness. Yes. Um... And saying, like, well, we can't meet in person anymore. We're going to do a phone conversation. I'm going to be in my room. Mm-hmm. Right? And then there's also something about whenever you were talking about your claircognizance and how people aren't going to get it, mm-hmm. but you're just going, this is what's going to happen. Right. There is a, one, I, I've already said monumental again, but you're monumental. But then, like, okay, there's a level of confidence that you have to build up or create in order to go into spaces and interact with people at mm-hmm. this level to be like, I am most authentically myself and mm-hmm. you either take it or you don't work with me. Yeah. Have you always had that or did you build that? Uh, absolutely not. Um, I had to build it. So, I mean, a million people have heard my story about how I was in an unhealthy work environment where mm-hmm. it was a woman of color, crime. Mm-hmm. Um, towards me yep. and I allowed my self-worth to be affiliated with trying to try to fit in into a role in a place where it wasn't wanted or celebrated mm-hmm. and it was completely different from the beginning because that was initial that happened there, but then that switch changed um so it was rough and that's how I actually got the severe depression um severe depression is what major depressive disorder is now, but major depressive disorder is a new term because the DSM wants to change shit all the time, yes, but it it's the same shit. So um, you can be depressed, you can be mildly depressed, you can be severely depressed. Severely depressed means you definitely are questioning your life or you have tried to take your life. And I've definitely questioned my life um, at least three times in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm not... I'm not trying to get a punch card to get to the fifth one. <laughs> you can get the, the fifth one for free. but So that's what severe pressure means. Um, so, wait, what was the question? It was, I mean, you had to build the level. Oh, okay. yeah. So, um, so when I left that job and I got another job, and which the job I was fired. Um, <laughs> John Rose Fire. You guys are going to hear about that a million times on this podcast. So thanks, listeners, for hearing that. Roll your eyes every time. Incensed. Incensed. Be enraged when the white guy 
in his 60s said, I didn't think you were that smart when I interviewed you, but you are smart. And then I had to be like, the fuck? I have 15 years of experience. My doctorate's the title of this department. I come from an organization three times the size. I know what I'm doing. But um, even though being fired was horrible, I'd never been fired in my life. I was fired for being way too authentic self. Mm -hmm. I was like, you are not going to treat me like I'm less than. You are not going to treat me like I should not be valued, that I'm not educated, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Because I do. Like, I'm great. Mm -hmm. And from there, I was able to go into my own business. So really being in a place of my own business allowed me to thrive and be my true authentic self. Like, people can say whatever the fuck they want to say about me, which is fine. You can have whatever feelings you want, but I know I'm great. Mm -hmm. I'm an amazing person. Um, Because that's my mantra. I'm amazing. Mm -hmm. I say it all the time. It's on my phone case. Actually, today I was coaching someone earlier today. And she's a black woman. And she's like, you know, when I went to... I was doing a leadership fellowship for them. And I went to the leadership fellowship like, and had this session with you. I just sat there and I was like, my company hired a black woman with platinum brown blonde braids. And I was like, yeah, that's me. I'm still Dr. today, whether I have blonde braids or I don't. Um, and yeah, so stuff like that like is great because I know, oh, I also know I wouldn't, I didn't, wear my hair in braids. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to wear my hair out naturally, curly. Um, I knew, like, with the job with the, the lady who was awful, um, when I was over it, I, like, found an African hair braider, like, the night before, or the day or two before, and, like, got my hair braided, like, at six in the morning <laughs> and went into work, and I was like, you, you're going to get all this blackness. Yeah. Um, and then when I was fired, when I went and got Folux, and I'm just doing things that I couldn't normally do in this, like, corporate type of uh, space. So, yeah, anytime my hair is in braids or twists, it is very blonde, mm-hmm. and I'm very extra, and I love it. It's like, pay me anyway, but, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, and then my last I will say, it's like, it's really important for people to be their true authentic self, mm-hmm. which is why executive coaching is really important for, I'm biased for women of color. Because if you cannot be your trilogy self at work, you are limiting your potential for who you are because you spend so much time at work. Yep. So if you do that, like your life on the weekend is going to be different and your extraness is going to be different. Like you aren't going to have that. You're just limiting your joy. Um, so it doesn't mean that you can't find a job where you can't be your trilogy self or you have to start your own company, but it means you need to figure out how you can be your trilogy self in that workspace, that whatever that workspace looks like for you. Otherwise, you're conditioning yourself to not be. That's too much time you're to not be. be less than. Yeah. Yeah. There's no need to do that. Mm-mm. Like, at all. So, yeah. My last question. Yes. It's very much along the same lines. Okay. It was, how was the transition from working for other companies, especially given the circumstances of your last boss? being illegally fired, <laughs> that experience that we were just talking about mm-hmm. and continue to talk about, to working for yourself? I started Change Today, I'm going on year five, um, this like fall, and, um, and three years this fall of me being in full-time. So I started as a pet project on the side because I was unfulfilled with the horrible woman job. Mm-hmm. And so it was cool. Like, I enjoyed it. And I, I got a doctorate because I always knew I wanted to have my own consulting company. But I was also really tired. So I went to school full-time. And I worked full-time. And my doctoral program is four to seven years. And I did it in three years. 
which makes no sense, but, you know, I'm also still very single now, too, so, you know. But, um, so when I uh, was fired, um, it sucked because it was a few days before my birthday. And here I am thinking, like, I had this great job, I'm, like, top floored, I'm wearing, you know, Olivia Pope outfits, <laughs> and I'm an executive, and I'm making $115,000 a year, which is a lot of money for someone in public health, not for the tech folks listening, but... It was a lot of money at the time. Five weeks vacation, I, like, I felt like I arrived and I had room to grow, to fucking chill. Just like chill, pay my bills, save some money, and not have to work really hard because I'd been working really, really hard. And so um, here I am having a moment of reflection. Like, do I want to go back into another unhealthy place where the past few jobs had some form of discrimination and racism happening? Or do I, like, take a chance on myself? So I cashed out a big part of my retirement. Um, and because it was from the county, they would send it to the right place, wrong name, wrong place, right name. And it took months and months to get that money. And because I was fired and then rehired because I was fired the wrong way, um, then EDD unemployment had two different unemployment dates. So I wasn't even getting any the supplemental teeny tiny pay that I would get from EDD and then I had just moved to my new place because gentrification forced me out um, so all my money had to be used to move into my home now and then the old job took a month to pay me which is illegal and then the new job normally a job it takes like three weeks to get a paycheck and then you get part of it so like I didn't have any money mm-hmm. at all so um, for my birthday I asked people to give me grocery store gift cards mm-hmm. And then I ate it in my pantry and my freezer. And oh my gosh, there's so much food in your freezer, <laughs> in your pantry, that you forget. Uh, and rationed my cards for like milk and produce. And um, just like really started to hustle. So I was telling people that I was available to do X, Y, and Z things for consulting. I was hitting up public health folks because that's where I love. Uh, of my connections and trying to figure out how to transition into the diversity space with like no connections. Yeah. So, um, I already had like a little contract, just like a $900 thing that I was doing maybe a week and a half after I was fired. So then I had $900. It was like, but that took two months to come because it was accounting. And then, so I was like, okay, I have that. And, um, I have a little bit of savings I was living off of, um, yeah. Anyway, it was rough. Um, I applied to accounting project and, um, so I was like, oh, in August 2016, I applied for the county grant in December. Um, and I was doing tiny little $100 things here and there for folks. And I wasn't going to Target. And my gosh, it was rough. Like, I couldn't even go to the dollar store. These are first world problems. But Target brings me so much joy. It was just really, really, like, it was rough. I wouldn't drive places. I just wouldn't do anything. I, someone gave me a blue apron meal like a free thing so I could get some food like I was just really hustling to make it work I was so scrappy I'm so scrappy so um I yeah so I applied for a thing in December and I request for a proposal RFP for the county and then um I was sitting here on my couch like a friend paid rent for me in November which was insane because she never had money and I was always paying for things. And then she, like, came through, which is lovely. 
arrive the right front signal. <laughs> Even though I go back. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I go to back and I'm up. But, um, yeah, so I was just sitting here on the couch. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to pay. You know, it was, it was December 17th. And I'm like, I have to pay rent in 13 days. And I don't know where this money is going to come from. And I don't like asking people for money. It's just really hard for me to do because I'm an independent woman. Um, and my clear cognizance told someone something told me to go check the mailbox mm-hmm. so it was like 9 15 and I went down to check the mailbox and in the mail was my check for my retirement that I cashed out written to the right place and the right name and all my back pay for unemployment and I immediately deposited that stuff went to Postmates got the worst burrito ever but I also couldn't get a burrito because I didn't have money to get a burrito. I ate the awful burrito and I was like I can buy my brother's Christmas presents because I love to get them gifts. I went to Target the next day bought a shit ton of shit I didn't need. Um, And then I realized like okay I'm going to be able to make it. So from there I had money to like really be strategic Um, and the next month and I had a better outlook on life so I was like starting to feel more confident because I could pay my bills um but then the next month um I was asked to interview um for the uh, contract the digital contract so I had to like do an interview in front of this board of people and um I found out that day that I got that contract and it's a six-figure contract six figures per year over a few years and um later that week I got a another contract so within this one week I received a quarter million dollars in contracts mm-hmm. and I was like holy shit you did it and then I didn't know what to do with myself I did I didn't know what to do. I did I, I cried because I got a text message saying that I got the contract and I was ironically with my former intern mm-hmm. and um but I just started crying she's like it's okay and I'm like I know but you just don't understand um and then I made it, and I felt really good. And then, so ever since then, I've just been a straight-up hustler. I'm not going to lie. So I'm always, like, ready to go. Um, I put myself in positions to provide opportunities for myself and for people that I um, want to, like, uplift in any way mm-hmm. for people on my team just to, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I'll always give back because that's, like, who I am. But, uh just so that I that I know that I'm I'm doing a good thing and I'm able to like kind of like keep it going so um, the hardest part of that transition is not getting a regular paycheck because people are horrible with invoicing like and wanting to fill, pay those invoices so sometimes I feel like I'm just like where's my money <laughs> but you can't say that just following up to see if there's anything else I can provide you to pay the invoice. You know, yeah. I have to do that thing. So that part is harder. But on the flip side to that, I have unlimited earning potential. Mm-hmm. And the more unlimited earning potential I have, then the better it is for people that work for my company and, like, for myself, but also for my mental and physical health. Because I can't, I can't work at the capacity that I've used to work before because of, like, my cute little heart. So, um, so this job allows me to, like I said earlier, be able to talk to people and pay my med bills and, um, 
have that flexibility to do what works for me um, so that I can be my best self for the people that I'm working for. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the paycheck is the hardest part. And then just always being on. Always on. Always on. Mm-hmm. Not right now. <laughs> it seems like, yeah, you're definitely on all the time, especially always. in that point. Always. And that's like, that's the part that I don't think people understand because I just got back, as you know, from Europe to talk at a fine wine event and was in Bordeaux. People were like, oh my God, you're going to have such a great time. Enjoy your trip. Enjoy the scenery. Enjoy your vacation. I was like, uh, this is straight up work. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm working the entire time. Like, be able to look at a window at some point and take a picture in front of whatever chateau they make us go to. But, um, I'm like, no, you still have some a good time. As soon as I arrived in the hotel, someone heard my voice. And they're like, oh, my God, Akila. And they're like, do you want to, like, put your back down and, like, join us for some wine? And I'm like, sure. And it was great because I, the person who I ran into, I never met, and we'd only known each other through, like, social media, so it was great to connect with her. But then it, just like that, it started. Yeah. And it was like that the entire trip until, like, 2 in the morning on the last day, and I left at 4 a.m. Like, it was just nonstop. Two hours. Two hours of your time on top of everything. You well, I did escape. <laughs> and I was late to an event because I went shopping. Because hashtag priorities. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel bad. No. Um, <laughs> but I, like, missed the bus for, like, the dinner. So, it's fine. I got there. They were running late. I was on time. And then I was fashionably late. I looked very cute. I'm just still on. You were there for what? four days yes and that was the one opportunity other than the two hours between two and four and you're just like oh yeah I was a little late it's yeah. fine well but I had like still four solid hours where I was like walking around the city and, you know but leaving the hotel there were people convening because um since it was a wine event the important wine people went to the special place to do a special wine tasting well I don't even know who they were but so I didn't need to be there but just leaving in the lobby and then Oh, this is, and here I am, like in my ripped jeans and like tank top, titties out, and I'm like, yeah, we're doing, we're doing this, great. <laughs> yeah, so I'm being introduced as Doctor Kay, and then you have like a white woman who's questioning everything, what school I'm going to, and blah blah blah, and then I'm just like, oh, okay, all right. She ended up being lovely, inviting me to her vineyard. Still at the end, yeah, but still, I mean, like the questioning that happens because I don't look like the typical doc. I don't act like the typical dog. I don't look like a business owner. People will say, like, when I go to a doctor's appointment, like, oh, so you're self-employed? I'm like, no, I run a whole ass fucking business. I run a business. A business. I pay people's life. It's a business. Don't say I'm self-employed. Like, But then at every point, you have to validate. Or- to, yeah, there's, like, constant validation. And it's more so for them. Right. I don't like the self-employed thing. It's more so for them, but... Yeah. You know, people are... People I don't know. It sounds like work, which goes back to, yes, you being always on. Always yeah. On. And then I have to figure out how that affects, like, my recovery time. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a lot better now health-wise, but there's a point where, like, I couldn't unload my dishwasher or take mm-hmm. off the trash. Mm-hmm. Like, that was too much work for me. And I'd be out of breath going up five stairs. Mm-hmm. So... I really had to think about my time because I got sick my second year 
into building a business, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of growth that I had to do. So I had to like push my body more than what I should have um, because I had to pay my bills and pay other people's bills um, to, to do things. And, but at the same time, like there's no job I'd ever have that would allow me to not work for like six weeks. Right. So, you know, things kind of happen like for a reason. But yeah, everything's just harder because my body's not 100%. So then, because I put so much into work, then it will take away time from my personal life because I sometimes just don't want to talk to people. Because yeah. <laughs> I have to talk to them all the time. But then I also have to find a way to like be in a relationship. I really am open to having an accidental child now, you know, so doing all those things and, like, making it work. Um, But that is not even the question at all. But, yes. It is a question, though. It is a question that I also, as someone who really empathizes with what you just said, like, I don't know. I also, like, I'm a Capricorn. I'm an Earth sign. Like, I want to dig in and always be working. And that's just me. It doesn't have really anything to do with Right. Well, I'm I'm also an Earth sign, so. I saw. Thank you. And so it's just, like, always having to renegotiate and negotiate depending on where your body's at, right? Yeah. And I also, I came into my chronic illnesses, um, other than mental health, um, well, even then, the I had major depression, then I was diagnosed with bipolar in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember a time when I wasn't sick. I remember how I operated when I wasn't sick. I remember, yeah. like, those feelings and having that energy. And then now it's, like, always negotiating, right? As a coach as well, like, I want to see people, I want to talk to people, but I... There, I have to choose between my job, my personal life. I have to choose between what I'm creating for myself and my healing and my job. Yeah. And that's not a decision that everyone has to make all the time. Um, and that's not a decision that I always had to make. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe this isn't a question, but it's just like, how have you found? I mean, how do you deal with it day to day? Or how, what have you found to... Get the most joy out of having to make that decision. So one is like acceptance, right? It was harder when I was like fighting it because I really wanted to, you know, go out or I really wanted to like drink or you know do things, but my body was like, not today, yeah. you know. So um, yeah, I mean, even like maybe about two months ago, I was. Fun-filled day. I did a talk in virtual reality mm-hmm. in the morning in San Francisco. Wow, it's very fascinating. And then I went and did a talk at Pal's tech company in Palo Alto. And I, I'm driving. And then I came and like driving to Palo Alto. I'm like, huh, my foot is numb. That's different. And I was having pain in my legs, which I never had. I haven't had more upper body pain. And then I went to an event in Oakland that night. Mm-hmm. And while I was sitting there, my body was full of so much pain. And I was like in the, like a middle seat and I like couldn't move mm-hmm. um, and didn't know what to do. But I was collecting checks all day, you know. So, uh, which is why I do that because it's like Talking is the 
easiest way to get money mm-hmm. for me because I don't have to do strategy. I don't have to do planning. It's just like pick a topic of what you want me to talk about. And I'm about to freestyle this bitch. And it works and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And it's great because it's better for just the amount of time and energy. It gives me time and energy to like rest and recuperate. And I'm just sitting there in so much pain. And then people want to like talk afterwards. And I was like, you know, I got to go. Like someone knew I have a heart thing. And I was like, I just got to go. And there's been times where I don't even feel my arm. <laughs> my left arm hashtag best friends of my heart um and I have to go and it's like times like that I wish I could be more social and talk to people but like the pain gets in the way mm-hmm. and then I'm also kind of like you know you did too much like you shouldn't have done that but the business side of me is like get this paper you know and then I'm going to do that so you know um yeah I feel like there's a constant battle with that like right now I'm on tour and my life sucks but also it's really great. But I was in LA last week, just got back from France, mm-hmm. going to LA tomorrow, then I'll come back, then I'm in another city, then I'll come back, you know, and I'm just all over the place. Um, so I'm home at most maybe five days, but closer to two or three. And that's a lot on my body. Yeah. And I live in a struggle of, you may lose more function, so you should just get it in now to don't do that because then you may lose my function, right? But usually the other side wins because I don't know what's going to happen in my future. So I just try to, it's like the opportunity's there, take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. It sounds very sad, but it's fine. It doesn't sound like sad. It's fine. I just communicate that, you know, to people. Um, but everything is, like, every single thing is, is uh, different, which I didn't, plan on so like I'm always kind of navigating how to deal with new versions of change or how pain shows up in my body mm-hmm. um but at the same time it just makes me special so there's that what about you because you also have to manage chronic illness and mental health so how do you deal with that um just as you said the first thing is definitely acceptance so yeah. I've been through lots of counseling doctors and there was a point where like I kind of accepted it not really you know (laughs) but I'd be like yes I accept this but why is my body doing this right um and also my chronic illnesses they also are fluid Mm -hmm. like I don't know five years down the line if I'm going to be diagnosed with the same thing because Mm -hmm. I am diagnosed with um an autoimmune disease Mm -hmm. and there's not a whole lot known Autoimmune is like a bucket of, we don't know. <laughs> right, right. And I might have one, but then I could have yeah, another that, one. Yeah. And it's just like, right. and on average. And then you, yeah, I think on top of it, it makes it even harder. Yes. Yeah. Thank like, you let's for... do the African American panel on you, but then you're negating any of the Caucasian ones. Yes. Whatever, you know? Yes. Like, yeah. Every um, time I see the dude African American panel on me, I'm like, yeah, but so um, I got this French and Irish side too, but you don't want to see that healthcare. Yeah. What are you going to tell me about this part, right? And then there's also the other component of, I don't know half of my family history. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for autoimmune, that's really, really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. So kind of the future is blurry. Um, yeah. But I do what I can do. Yeah. Um, and there's a large part of me that 
spends the mornings really like uplifting myself, telling myself I can do it, going through, okay, where am I feeling? What is my capacity this day? And what can I do? And then being honest first with myself about it and then others. Like there are times where like I go into the office and I um, like I'm only there for a couple hours and then I leave in the afternoon and work from home or I have to go home. And how how's like your your team, your coworkers, and your like your boss with that? Um, my boss is phenomenal with it. And my coworkers are great to the capacity that they understand, mm-hmm. right? Like I have some coworkers who understand much more than others and they're all coaches, right? Yeah. So there's there's this capacity of like, oh, how can I support you? Mm-hmm. There's not always this I don't I understand. You're in a super coaching environment. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very super yeah. coaching environment. Um and there's also this you have to show up. Yeah. And I don't and I show up, but I don't show up in the way most people think. Yeah. And I don't have the capacity to show up in that way. And so it's, I th- it goes back to being honest about myself, about what I can do, about what I think about myself, what I know. Because I can't control what other people think or what other people assume because yeah. I do also have invisible chronic illnesses. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just really like, Focusing, yeah, making sure that I'm focusing on myself, my purpose, and my mission, and I'm doing the little things. So, like, I walked here today. Yeah. I was in pain, and I knew that I needed to get a walk-in. Yeah. Because that helps sustain my body, um, even when I don't want to do it. Like, those are just little things that I know help in the long run, even if in the short run it yeah. doesn't make sense to people. I also have a really, really big schedule. Like, I have a very serious <laughs> schedule that I abide to that yeah. I also don't think a lot of people understand because I'm also much, I'm younger. Yeah. But for my bipolar, for my chronic illnesses, I have to stick to a pretty strict, strict schedule. Yeah. And I think that really helps me as well. Yeah. Because it gives you the parameters. Structure, yeah. boundaries. Yeah. Like, if things are happening after this time where I know that I need to be asleep or I need to be with myself I need to be (laughs) doing these things it's a it's a no it's like maybe I'm not as social as other people or other coaches at my job but I I have to do it yeah no it's important I mean that is you know getting back to what you need to like thrive right and um be your your best self Mm -hmm. in times when your body doesn't even want to show up for you right so with that said, that's the final question. Um, how do you celebrate the little wins? I celebrate the little wins with gratitude and with a smile, mm-hmm. um, with laughter, and I also write it down. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I do with the little things, whether it be like, oh, a nice tree or I got out of bed today, all of those things really culminate. And I I first meet all of those with gratitude mm-hmm. because um, I'm still unlearning how to think the worst in things or how to my brain to automatically go to the negative, mm-hmm. right? And I know that when I meet things with gratitude, I'm always thinking something positive I'm always thinking I'm always thinking of my ancestors like 
gratitude brings a lot of things for me. Mm-hmm. And when I meet it with the small things, like there's this level of contentness and a level of affirmation that I feel that I've never felt anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and then I also write it down because in the times where things seem really bleak or I, I, I forget all the good things that happen because to be honest, I, there are points where I'm just like, nothing good happens, everything is bad. I have my notebook and it's just like, oh, this actually happened yeah. to me last week at this time. This happened to me at this time. Um, and it helps me get out of that thinking. So that's such a great way to do it. But and you forget because you know you're busy and like life goes on. I'm 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 probably a little too good at <laughs> celebrating my little wins. Um, but it took a while to to get there. Um, thank you so much for coming here today and chatting and just being wonderful great um and uh i look forward to um like seeing where you're gonna go and um, how you're gonna coach people and you're clearly well on your way with how you're asking me questions but can you tell people how they can find you you can find me on social media you can find me on instagram under the handle lavender and cilantro that's the best place yeah that's the best place um i'm working on my technology but Instagram is definitely the place that I intend to be. Wow. Yeah, follow it. Oh, thank you. Like, just you getting your... Also, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the vulnerability. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. Um, and answering the questions as brilliantly as you can. Oh, well, thank you. I'm, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm sure we're going to do stuff um, in the future. Well, thank you, Michelle. I'm so glad that you are um, here today and shared and your fellow um, invisible illness warrior. I kind of hate that, but I also love it at the same time. But you're doing it. So You're also doing it. You're doing it. We're doing what we can do for sure. So, um, yeah. So uh, until next time, keep being amazing. Thanks for listening to the Change Today podcast. To learn more about Change Today, you can go to changetoday.com. That's C-H-A-N-G-E-C-A-D-E-T.com. And you can follow to learn more at Change Today podcast and at Change Today. Thanks for listening.